0: family calls home. And the water of Leith, Te Awa, the Leith River, is my river, which flows through uh, the university campus where I serve. Ko Malaysian Airlines, uh, Te Waka. Um, <laughs> so the, the canoe, or the, the vessel, if you like, that brought me here um, is it was Malaysian Airlines back in 2009, a very significant journey for me um, as I traveled from Malaysia to New Zealand uh, to study at the University of Otago um, almost 12 years ago now, which is a very long time ago. Um, so yes, that has been a very significant journey for me. Um, and co Malaysia, Toku Iwi, my tribe or my people are the people of Malaysia, that's where we are on maps. Uh, But New Zealand is also home. I was born in Hamilton, um, where our family lived for the first three years of my life before we moved back to Malaysia, and that's where I grew up. And the people of Malaysia are made up of a very diverse, uh, it's a very diverse place, um, people of all different races, religions, languages, ethnicities, um, and uh, Malaysia is also home to some of the best food in the world. Seriously, yeah. And Kosim uh, Tokufano. Uh, so this is uh, um, Rosie and Rosie, my wife, and Nadia, our little seven months old. But we also have a wider fano as well, um, many of whom live in Dunedin, which is which is great. And Ko Simon Toku Ingua. Simon is my name, and it's very nice to meet all of you today. Um, Penny um, has mentioned that I. Serve with TSCF or the Tertiary Students Christian Fellowship, um, and so I serve with uh, students in Dunedin for the last uh, eight years now. I think it's been working, and and our our motto or our vision statement, if you like, is reaching students for Christ and changing students for life. Um, the university is a very significant time. Um, in you know, in, in most people's lives and um, it can be a, it, it's a it's a very formational place and you know where people from all you know all over the world, well less so now but all over New Zealand um, gather together and kind of figure out what this life is all about. And it's where um, it's where many um, many students and myself included make a lot of very significant choices about um, what kind of life um, they will live. Um, what sort of values they will bring with them, what sort of relationships they, may, they will build, what sort of communities they're going to be a part of, um, what sort of career path um, they're going to have, and whether or not their faith in Jesus Christ um, is going to be a part of that. And so um, that's, that's where, um, where we serve. And um, our sort of... Uh, you know, little mission is uh, to help thousands of students become servant leaders of character through the transforming gospel of Christ. Following personal conversion and guided by biblical wisdom, um, our hope is that students will, integ- will integrate faith, study, work, and life, and bring cultural renewal to New Zealand's tertiary institutions. And um, yeah, it's been. Uh, like Penny said, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty full-on um, time, especially in these last few years, um, but more on that um, in a little bit. Um, and so we get to serve in the University of Otago and the, the Otago Polytechnic, um, New, New Zealand's oldest and coldest university. But it, it's a great place. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about, about myself. Um, and if you, if you would like to find out more about TSCF, um, please, please, please come talk to myself or, or Penny or, or my wife, Rosie. We'd love to um, tell you a little bit more about it if you're interested. Well, here we are at the start of another year. It's um, Pretty crazy how fast it's going. We're almost at the end of January. Well, we are at the end of January now. And the start of a year is always a good time to pause and reflect. So how are you feeling about the start of Another new year. So a little opening question for you. Um, Have a chat with your neighbor and pick one word to describe how you're feeling about 2022. And, uh, you know, have... Yeah, so feel free to have a chat and for a few seconds... Right. Um, I would love to hear some of your words. I'd I'll, I'll love to hear some of yours before I share mine. Um, so if anyone is, would be so brave, you, know, just just shout it out from wherever you are, one word that you've chosen. Indecisive. Excited. Hopeful. Apprehensive kindness. Mm. Yep, yep. We all need a bit of that this year. Flat out. Pardon? Flat out. Flat out. Yep. <laughs> and we're only at January. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are lots of words that um, you know, that can be used to describe how we're feeling about 2022. But here's mine. Weary I am and and you know, Craig mentioned that we've, we've just shifted again into, you know, sort of the way that we do things, and now um, at Alert Level Red, um, you know, we've, our, our team at TSCF, we've been trying to think about, well, how is this going to impact um, the start of a new university year? We just found out that, um, that many of the Orientation Week events have now been cancelled, um, and, and Clubs Day, you know, which is usually where our groups and students connect with uh, and welcome new students and invite them to come along and check out some of the things that we're doing, um, that's not going to be happening. And so we're like, oh my goodness, what, how are we going to, you know, how are we going to navigate through this year? And so already at the start, you know, um, we're feeling like what what is going to happen next. And it kind of, you know, we just, you just you get tired and, and, and weary about trying to think about all the different um, decisions that you have to make. And so that's, that's how I'm feeling a little bit about 2022. Um, but uh, you may recall back in um, March 2020, which now feels like a forever ago, but back when this whole COVID crisis was just kind of beginning for us in New Zealand, um, in the news, in the media, one of the main phrases that was used to describe our COVIDian times, uh, do you remember what it was? Unprecedented. These are unprecedented times. We are living in and trying to do life in the midst of a, a worldwide, global pandemic, and um, a, a nationwide, you know, state of emergency, if you like. And no one could have really imagined that this is what life would be like in only a short couple of, you know, in, in, in only a couple of years, and and how quickly things change in, in a matter of days. Um, you know, we've—it's been what 24 months, two, about two years since we've been sort of navigating these um, unprecedented times. Um, yeah, it's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot. And now here we are at the start of a new year, a time that's usually marked by by newness, by refreshment after the summer holidays. Um, it's marked by excitement and anticipation for all that lies ahead as we embark on the new 12 months that we get. And, But this is kind of how how we're feeling. I really love this image. I think it sums up so much of, of perhaps what we've all been going through and experiencing. In our lifetime, these times may well seem unprecedented. But our feelings and emotions towards these unprecedented times are not. Our feelings of confusion, despair disorientation, longing, loss, grief, hopelessness, doubt, fear, isolation, loneliness, feeling overwhelmed, anxiety, uncertainty. These are all very real feelings, and responses to everything that's going on around us. And these are the same precedented feelings that the ancient people of God had when they wrote these lyrics to one of their old ancient songs. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land. These lyrics are from Psalm 137, verses 1 and 4, one of their exile songs, also made famous by the Euro-Caribbean disco group Boney M, which you may have heard before. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when when we remembered Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? God's people at that time we're living in and experiencing tr- truly unprecedented times as well. What is exile? In the big story of the Bible, um, just for, uh, for a bit of context and, 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 a, and a brief overview, in the big story of the Bible, the nation of Israel, God's holy and chosen people, were now the kingdom of Israel. But sadly, The kingdom of Israel had failed in their calling to be God's faithful people. Instead of being a light to the nations as they were supposed to be because of their idolatry and unfaithfulness to their covenant relationship with God, they end up being just as corrupt and sinful as their neighbors. As a result, despite warning after warning, prophet after prophet, god eventually judges the nation of israel by sending the armies of babylon led by their king nebuchadnezzar to conquer them destroying their city and temple and carrying the remaining survivors into exile in babylon and in the biblical story the exile is the most tragic event for god's people since they were slaves in egypt and so here they were, living in a strange land. And so I love how beautifully they capture what it means to be in exile when they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? I wonder if you feel a bit like the exiles, like we're living in a strange land, a place almost unrecognizable from what you used to call home, wondering. What now? When will it all be over? Is it going to be over? We find ourselves wondering, what does it mean to be God's people in a time like this? How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? In the midst of such hopelessness, where is God? What is he up to? Where is the hope for a people living in exile? Our passage today is, from, is Jeremiah 29, and I'm sure you've heard of Jeremiah 29 before. Um, well, more specifically, many of you may be familiar with the verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, that very well-known verse that goes, you know, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. Um, but actually, I want to, um, I would love to bring to your attention that the rest of the chapter, you know, Jeremiah 10 and 12 and 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and all that are are just as good and maybe even just as you know maybe even worth putting up on your instagram as well um in fact the whole chapter is a letter the whole of jeremiah 29 is a letter written by the prophet jeremiah from god to his people the israelites now living in exile it's a letter that's written to encourage them to remind them that in spite of everything that's happening he is still their God. They are still his people. And he wants to give them hope in exile. And it's written to give the people of God in all times and in all places, you, me, us, hope, in times when we feel like we're in exile, when we find it difficult to sing the songs of God in, a, in strange, unprecedented times. So I'm just going to read Jeremiah 29, verses 1 to 14. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiachin and the queen mother and the court officials and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem the skilled workers and the artisans who had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to Elisa, son of Shephan and Gemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all, to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. This is God's word. There are three points that I would like to draw out of um, this letter for us today. The first point is that God is in control. The second is that we are to continue seeking the good of the city and third god is closer than you think the first thing that god says in the opening line is a little surprising god says to them i am the one who has done this i am the one who has who has placed you in exile Now you might be thinking, what? How is that supposed to give me any hope or any comfort? God saying that he has done this. But it does. Because in this opening statement, God reminds his people that he is still in control. Complete control. Or to use a theological phrase, this points us to the sovereignty of God the sovereignty of God over everything, that he is not just the God of Israel, but he is also God of the nations, including the nation of Babylon. He is the God of the whole universe. Nothing happens that God is not aware of. Nothing happens that takes him by surprise. God has not lost control over this world despite the circumstances or despite the appearances. And just as the Babylonians and exile have not disrupted the plans and purposes of God, the impacts of global pandemics have not disrupted the plans and purposes of God in our time. The impacts of global pandemics will not disrupt the plans and purposes of God in our time. For the Israelites in exile, they knew that this was an act of God's judgment, God's justice, and God's holiness. And so they do not ask, why is this happening? Because they know, they know why this is happening, but rather they ask, what now? Is God done with us? Is there any hope left for us at all? And it is in response to those questions that God reminds them that He is still in control. He is still very much in control. He has not abandoned them, and He will give them hope and restore them once again. For many of us, for all of us, we do not know and we may not know or or comprehend what God's plans and purposes are. But like God's people of old, there are some things that we can know and that we should comprehend. Namely, that we can put our trust in the fact that God is in control, that He is sovereign. The God who holds all things together in His mighty hand reminds us to put our faith, our confidence, the full weight of our belief and trust in Him. Because that same mighty sovereign hand is now holding out hope to His people, to us. And God holds it securely and completely for us, even when we struggle to keep hold of it for ourselves. And what is hope? but knowing that a different reality is possible that a different reality is promised and it's promised to us by the supreme sovereign reality maker our god and so a question for us to think about is what about for us what about in in each of our own lives what difference can knowing that God is sovereign, that God is control, that God is in control? What, what difference can it make in your life? in your faith? What difference can it make for your relationship with God? Which leads us nicely into the second point to continue seeking the good of the city. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And so the second thing that God tells them in this letter is to get involved. Get involved in your community. Keep on living your lives. Love the city you're in. Love the people that are in it earnestly seek its good to bless it and to help it flourish. Just as they have not stopped being the people of God in exile, don't stop living as the people of God while in exile. And you can read on in the passages in, verses, in the passage in verses 5 and 6, God tells them to keep on doing the normal everyday things of life, building houses, planting gardens, growing families, But do all of that ordinary, everyday work with the aim to bless the city, to help it flourish. The summary of the whole law of Israel was to love God and to love your neighbor. Well, meet your new neighbors. Make them feel at home. And in doing so, you too will feel at home. By seeking the good of the city, they now had a new opportunity to continue to be a light to the nations, specifically to the nation of Babylon that God has now put them in. But, and this is a big but, God also reminds them that this won't be forever. This isn't their permanent home. They will have to move again. And so, seek the, seek the good of the city that you're in while remembering that this isn't home forever. God promises to them that He will bring them back to their real home in His time after 70 years in exile, as verse 10 tells us. And so, make yourself at home, but don't make yourself too comfortable. Now, this is an, this is an encouragement to us as well. How can we make the best of things in our exilic situation? How can we seek the peace and prosperity of our communities while being a people in exile? How can we be the people of God, a light to our nation, our city, our towns, in spite of the challenging circumstances that we face? And so in these times, our neighbors and our communities are feeling the very same feelings of hopelessness and confusion, perhaps just as we are. So how can we seek their good and their flourishing? What are the other ways that we can help one another and move one another to look outwardly to the needs that we see and hold out real Christian hope to a hurting world? Our orientation towards them should be. How can we help? How can we, as the people of God, help you? So how can we seek the good of our city and of our neighbors? And perhaps you might want to think about your own situation, your own communities. How can you seek the good of Alexandra, of the people here, of your neighbors, Now we can see this point really being taken to heart by the exiles who read it. Who were they? Who were the recipients of this letter? Well, thankfully we know who some of them were. They were faithful men and women of God whom, whom despite living in exile in Babylon, God was able to use them in powerful and incredible ways because they understood what it meant to live as God's people and to seek the good of the city where God had placed them exiles like Daniel, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who served in in the Babylonian government and served King Nebuchadnezzar himself. They would have helped Babylon prosper greatly, yet all the while knowing who they were and that the God that they worshipped came first and foremost, even when their own lives were at stake exiles like Esther and Mordecai who, who recognized God's sovereignty and hand in their own circumstances. And when Esther finds herself in a place of influence and power, ruling as the queen of a foreign nation, and yet having the humility, courage, and faith in God to act when required, to preserve the lives of God's people living in exile. In the New Testament, Peter, picks up the exilic language of Jeremiah when he writes to the early church as God's people began to be more scattered and spread out across the world. And here's what he writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 12. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, or exiles in some translations, as aliens and strangers and exiles in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. The third point. God is closer than you think. God reassures a people who feel like they've been abandoned. After all, they were now cut off from all of the things that used to give them a sense of identity. The land, the temple, the worship and the sacrificial systems. Now all of that was gone. Could they even still be God's people? That sense of identity had been taken away. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Does God even hear us? Or even worse still, does He even want to hear us anymore? We don't even know who we are. Does God even know who we are anymore? And the answer to that question is a tender, loving, powerful yes. God reminds them that they are still His people, and He is still their God. And in some sense, now while now that they're in exile, God is even closer to them than they realize. Jeremiah reminds them, if you seek God, you will find Him. If you sing the Lord's song, He will listen to you. God is not far away. He is near. Isn't that how we feel sometimes? Far away from God, feeling cut off from all the things that normally give us a sense of, of, you know, of of identity and, and being and connection to God. Um, especially in these times, we can end up feeling like we're far away from God. We're all feeling the distance, not just social distancing, but, you know, we're feeling distant from God. Jeremiah 29 is a reminder to us that God can be found, that if you look for Him, He will be there. The promise in this letter is fulfilled some 70 years later when the babylonians are conquered by the persian empire and now under the rule of the persians and their king a remnant of god's people were eventually allowed to return to the land to rebuild their city and rebuild their lives we can read all about this post-exilic period in the books of ezra and nehemiah haggai zechariah malachi And so the promise was fulfilled, but things really weren't the same as they were before. Their city wasn't the same, their temple wasn't the same, and their lives weren't really the same. Despite returning home from exile, God's people still needed a true return, not just a changed home, but changed hearts they now realized that what they truly needed to be God's people, to truly live out their calling to be a light to the nations, was, was a heart freed from sin. And that's what they really needed, to be close to God, to live faithfully. And that's what they longed for. In Jeremiah 31, God speaks to his people in exile again and tells them, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah points them to an even greater fulfillment of these promises. And they come almost 400 years after the exile, when God makes himself findable. God makes himself physical, tangible, touchable, knowable, lovable, incarnational. God in the literal flesh. And we didn't have to find him. Instead, he came to find us. God comes to us to find us in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what John says in the opening verses of his gospel, the word that Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God the Son leaves his home so that we, strangers and exiles, could be brought back to our true home with God. Jesus Christ comes to find us so that we can be rescued from the judgment for sin that you and I deserve, so that we can be given forgiveness and freedom from sin and from death and given new hope and life in God. Jesus lives the life that you and I should have lived and dies the death that you and I should have died. Jesus' exile would cost him his life. Yet he holds it out to us so that we can find it, so that we can be truly reconciled to our God and so that we can live in real relationship with him. And that is good news for us this morning. That is the difference that Jesus makes. You see, the nature of religion is human beings in search of God. But the nature of the gospel, the nature of Christianity, is God in search of human beings. Jesus has come to find us, to find you, to find me. And so, have you been found by God? If you have, or if you haven't, there is good news for you, because God is closer than you think, and He has come to find you. We started this morning talking about how we can sing the Lord the Lord's song in a strange land. Well, because of Jesus, we can. And so we keep on singing. I just want to close with. The, um, with some, some lyrics written by Charles Wesley in an old hymn, And Can It Be? where it says, He left, that's Jesus, He left His Father's throne above so free, so infinite, His grace emptied Himself of all but love and bled for Adam's helpless race such mercy this, immense and free for oh my God, it sought out me. Let's pray. Our loving God, we thank you so much for your word and for the hope that you hold out to us. We thank you for this letter written to, um, written to ancient people who are feeling many of the same feelings that we still feel today. And Lord, even in the midst of such um, tumultuous times when we're often wondering, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? we thank you that you have come to find us so that we can, so that we can keep singing, so that others can hear the song and that others will come to know you as well. I pray that you help us, all of us, as we look to our neighbors, as we look to our our cities and our towns. I pray that you would provide us opportunities to be a light to our neighbors, to point them to the greater hope that we have in Christ to show our neighbours that they too can be found by the God who knows them and loves them and gave up his life for them. We thank you, we love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Simon. That was a great reminder that God is in control in these messy times, and more importantly, that we've got a mission to do, that we've got a part to play in seeing his goodness spread throughout the places that we live. Uh, that's what we're about at ABC, and we're grateful that you're willing to play your part. So I really uh, hope that this morning's been encouraging for you. Feel free to stick around. We've got some tea, coffee, refreshments from uh, the cafe. Um, but have a chat. Uh, have a great week. God bless you heaps. And there's a prayer team over in the corner as well. Thanks for the reminder, Paddy. Awesome. See ya.